good afternoon from um, UK um, and welcome to the um, Free Rohingya Coalition Gen Genocide podcast series. And I am Zani. Um, I host the English language um, series and I'm extremely uh, delighted and, and also very honored that uh, I have uh, a Rwandan brother of uh, his, uh, you know, by um, uh, nationality, it's British like myself. Uh, the, he is well known uh, internationally for his human rights um, campaign. He chairs the global campaign for Rwanda, um, human rights in Rwanda. Uh, the, he was actually born in Russia, uh, post-Soviet, to uh, the Rwandan parents. And uh, rather, uh, you know, uh, interestingly, or some would say, you know, not that unusual, he is of mixed uh, cultural and ethnic heritage. Uh, his parents are <coughs> Hutu and Tutsi. A as you know, almost, uh, over 25 years ago, there was <coughs> genocidal killings and a genocide in Rwanda uh, using the uh, group identity uh, to, to destroy the targeted community. And so he belongs to both <coughs> perpetrator and victim community. And so in my country of Burma as well, we have a problem of uh, <coughs> treating and identifying individuals and communities as uh, pure identity, pure this or pure that. And so that's why, you know, the conversation with uh, Rene Mugenzi uh, will be extremely educational and informative um, because he is of mixed heritage, defies the stereotypical racist construction of community uh, or communities as pure uh, Tutsi or pure Hutus. Um, uh, but, um, I have known Rene for the last uh, six or seven years. He first spoke um, at our Rohingya a conference at the London School of Economics in 2014. Um, he was um, once, you know, um, living under the protection of British um, uh, the police, and that because his life was deemed to be um, at risk. And uh, he came highly recommended by our mutual friend, uh, who unfortunately and sadly has passed away. Uh, the founder of Refugee Studies at Oxford University, uh, Barbara Harold Bond. So maybe Renee, and um, we'll make this in memory of our friend uh, Barbara, who has been uh, who uh, who was extremely supportive of your activism, and as well as uh, uh, you know my own human rights activism. And so we missed her. So let's make this um, in her memory, as well as in memory of in memory of those who were, uh, you know, slaughtered in the Rwanda genocide of 1994, I believe. Yeah? And I, um, so let's begin. Um, can you explain to the audience what it means to belong to two different communities at each other's throat? Thank you, Zani. Uh, thank you very much for inviting me. It's an honor to be to come to you know to see to contribute to this important conversation, important program. 
and um, I'm very happy to be with you. Also, I also greet to anyone who is listening to who's going to be listening to us anytime. Um, so coming on to your question, the 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 the, the actually the, just to you know to to correct a bit about the, the background. Yes, I was I was born in Russia, but it was doing Sovietic time, not post. It was do it was in the middle of Sovietic uh, period, and 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 it's true that because the my um, so Rwanda Rwanda traditionally has three main tribes: the Hutu and the Hutu and and the Tutsi and the Twa. And so throughout the years, I've been very mixed. You know, sort of you know, mixed, you know, those mixed uh, marriage. So that's why you found this sort of mix within the community, within the Rwandan community. And so in my in my in myself, I'm mixed not from the direct family, but from the great grandfather uh, um, time. That's where our mix came. And, but actually my father, you know, the family, my family, my family is the Hutu, but because of those mixed, mixes in my, in my background, I've got this Tutsi morphology. So the Hutu people see me <laughs> as a Tutsi because I'm tall and thin, which is that it was the common, um, you know, physical you know, characteristic of a Tutsi male. Yeah. And that's why during 1994, um, genocide against the Tutsi, I was very high risk, even more, even, even I was really high risk than even some Tutsi who had Hutu morphology, you know. And because I was very young at the time, I was 17 years old, I was not uh, allowed to, uh, I didn't reach yet the age to have an ID, identity card so that people that can differentiate who I, I was, it was very difficult uh, situations to, to be that, because that, that time, uh, the Tutsi were very, you know, hunted by some extremists in my own tribe, uh, Hutu, some extremists, some militias were very hunting Tutsi to, to kill them for what had been called the genocide against the Tutsi. But me and any man one that I've been freeing and all had, had uh, it was a very difficult, difficult period for me. I was injured uh, three to two times uh, in my hand because some machetes um, you know, scars in my back as well. And for by the Hutu extremists who took me as a Tutsi because of my, you know, my physical appearance. And the, the many Rwandans died because of that, because of their physical appearance. Uh, so that during the Hutu, or uh, that's uh, during the genocide against Tutsi. But about the same time, there will have been, there was been, on, on the same time, even after the, the genocide against Tutsi, there have been a genocide against the Hutu, and which has not been recognized yet, and which have been um, in our in our view, also in our you know facts from the UN, also the, our own research. So have been much more was much worse in terms of the number of those killed than the genocide against Tutsi. But in, uh, a genocide is genocide is not competition of the numbers. Is a human you know, but that have been. Uh, um, the, the point is, has not been yet been recognized because of some geopolitical uh, interest of some uh, countries who doesn't want to recognize at the UN rev, uh, level. Because if they will do that, they will have to have the responsibility to for justice, and many uh, you know many peoples, many countries, many powers will be 
who will be involved. Yeah. So that's the situation exposed, at the moment. Uh, yeah, will be exposed. Will be exposed uh. Yeah. <clears throat> and um, um, let, let, let's stay with the question of, um, you know, targeting individuals, human mm. persons, simply on the basis of a uh, either constructed identity in the form of documentation or the cultural construction of ethnic groups or the physical characteristics, you know, you, you cannot change how you look, mm -hmm. you see? You know, you cannot make yourself like, you know, um, look different fr from being uh, thin and tall, uh, the, the physical attributes that, um, you know, Hutus and others um, ascribe to you. Uh, what does it feel like, or how does it feel like, um, you know, being um, in danger just simply because of your physical appearance. What does I mean? How, how do you feel? You know, it's not something you do that that you can change and correct or even apologize. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's, it is a, for, a fortunate that a human being can attack another human being because of reasons that they are not on their fault. Because so, when I was born, I was, uh, you know, uh, uh, no one was born asking, you know, to have this morphology to, or to be belonging to one ethnic or the other. So it's very um, kind of backward and unfortunate that at this time in 21st centuries or 20th centuries, that people still you know, feel that they might superior to others because I feel I think that when they're killing them, they think that should, those group which are selected they should not be existing. They should not be part of human being. They have to be exterminated, as if they have chose to be who they are. And so, people to to have that kind of mindset, on you know, which is like. Um, um, uh, like uh, you know, thousand years type of mindset until you know you can with too many advancement of human being in terms of technology, the science. But that kind of mindset, that, that that kind of respect to human being has not developed at the same level as the other area of development is very very sad, really indeed. It's very very sad. You know, uh, you know, it's very very bad feeling that if you are being you 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 know somebody is being uh hunted to be killed and for the reason that they have you know they not they have not you know they have not um chosen so that is very very bad and it's very sad it is still happening now yeah um can you can you talk about you know how uh documentation worked you know, like you mentioned that you were too young at the time, um, you know, 10 years old when the, uh, the killings, um, you know, genocidal killing started. Yeah. Um, and you didn't have the documents uh, the, to prove that you are, let's just say Hutu, although you, you are mixed um, in the interest of your own um, safety and well-being. You can, you know, essentially, <clears throat> you know, going back to your uh, family um, uh, the history, you, you could identify yourself as Tutsi, 
You could also identify yourself as Hutu, or you can identify with both communities, right? Um, but but you, the, when killings started, the killings were based on the verification of individuals on the basis of official IDs that they could produce, right? How does, what triggered this, you know, use of documentation, ID, as a form of who gets killed and who gets to live? How does that begin? Yes, the, the, the ID, uh, the, the use of ID as identification was one of the methods used, but there's some people who were killed without even verification of ID because remember, they were members of like a neighborhood. They knew who they were. They, they, will, they will not have to, 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 to verify the ID. But if you move to one neighborhood to the other where they will not know you, so the owner and your and your physical appearance is suspicious, is type of physical appearance they were hunting or they're killing. So the only way to verify that you're not, you, you, you are, you're not the person they, they want to kill is through identification. Because at that time, everyone, any person over 18 had to, to have an ID card. And the ID card they have to mention uh, which tribe or which uh, ethnic group you belong to. So, so if they don't know you, so there was, that's the, uh, also if they know you, they don't know you, if there's no one in that area who, who can say, I know this person, then the ID will be the, the verification. Yeah, and some people were really saved by ID. They had, uh, they were Tutsi, they had Hutu ID, they were safe, saved because of that. Uh, but some people uh, were killed were kill because they had Tutsi morphology, like me. If somebody where they were trying, they were near going to kill me, if somebody who knew there was a person who happened to pass and the guy knew me, if he didn't pass, I would have dead by now. But that one was not because of ID verification, but because of my physical appearance. Right. And... Yeah. Uh, um, in the now, like you know, moving on, uh, what really, what was the context in which these killings were triggered? In other words, uh, was there a history of um, group, you know, wars or uh, communal violence um, that set the um, you know, um, stage for the genocide to be um, committed? Yes, there was a series of historical events which have happened throughout the years, which led to the genocide happening at that time. Yeah. But if without going far, but there have been many, you know, over 500, but without going far, in 1959, there have been, uh, um, the, the Rwanda was ruled by king who was Tutsi, then the Hutu took the power through revolution. Yeah. And, the, and the, a group of Tutsi um, rulers um, uh, left Rwanda and went to exile. Mm. So, in that, so their, their children, their children, uh, they attacked Rwanda in 1990 as the rebels. They want to take the power uh, in Rwanda. The rebel, majority were Tutsi or rebels who attacked the Rwanda in 1990. And then they have been. Uh, 
is uh, peace, a ceasefire and a peace accord between the government, which were Hutu dominated, and the rebel group, which was Tutsi dominated. Then they had a ceasefire that the war was finished. And after the war, after this, this, the peace accord was signed, the president of that time, the Hutu president who signed the peace, accord, uh, uh, peace agreement, was killed. Mm -hmm. Then when he was killed, so this Tutsi, Hutu extremists said, said that this Tutsi, they just, we've been fighting with them. We signed the peace accord. Now they kill the president. So they're not here for the peace. Right. Was, it, was this the president who was killed when a plane was, his plane was yes. shot down or his plane went down, right? Yes, correct. Yes, yes. And it was attributed to the rebels group, the one which, which a few months ago had signed the peace uh, accord. Right. Okay, carry on. Sorry. Then they, they so they, then the Hutu extremists and some part of the army start to kind of the start to kill Tutsis, especially those those who, um, uh, especially targeting many politicians and those who had sent their children into the rebels uh, movement. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how well, the general. Yeah, I I, I think. You know the um, the the death of the Hutu president uh, in a plane crash, and the scapegoating, or even you know co correctly or not, uh, holding the Tutsi rebels uh, responsible for the death of this um, you know Hutu uh, president. Um, that was the immediate trigger. But my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong, is that um, there have been attempts on the part of the Hutus to portray the uh, Tutsis uh, as um, cockroaches and viruses, yeah? Um, and also there were, uh, you know, radio station broadcasts, uh, the writings, and the propaganda against the Tutsis uh, before the assassination or the death of the Hutu president. Can you can you explain how these things sequence together? Yes. Yeah, yeah, prior, yes. As I said, there was a there was a rebellion. There was a fighting which had been existing for uh, like for four years, from ninety to ninety four. During that time, um, there were been um, during that time the the. Uh, some people had big resentment against the rebellion and the Tutsi movement, and so which that would have been reflected in some writings. People who are very, uh, some people are becoming extremists, uh, and also um, uh, they have been internal displaced people from the uh, area where the, the, the war was happening into the center of the country. So those refugees came with story of horrible story, horror, what they experienced, the killing, the massacre by the rebellion. So all those things triggered kind of anger hmm, within the, um, within the, 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 the Hutu population, especially the, you know, some extremist groups. So that's why there would be, there's a radio which, which, uh, which um, well, you know, explaining those kind of rhetorics and some, uh, and some um, uh, newspapers at, at the same time, yes. But and, those, uh, the, there was um, one particular uh, academic, uh, you know, Hutu background. He uh, 
out-migrated or left at Rwanda and resettled in Canada yeah, before the killings began. But he was, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, considered one of the most um, crucial propaganda uh, experts or the intellectuals that provided the uh, construction of uh, Tutsis as a group that needed to be exterminated. Yeah? And uh, the, in Canada, um, this uh, the, the justice minister at the time um, named Owen Kotler, um, he uh, they told me that he went after this um, you know, Rwandan refugee who became a Canadian citizen using the Crimes Against Humanity law uh, to go uh, to basically try the um, um, try this particular Rwandan academic for having laid the propaganda foundation, uh, you know, to justify, um, you know, a genocidal slaughter of the Tutsi uh, community. Do you know about this case? Uh, do you know this individual? Yes, I know about his and uh, he... What is he, his name? Sorry, I, I, my memory. Uh, it's Mugesela. His name is Mr. Mugesela. He was an academic. He, uh, he, uh, he, he, he was known because of particular speech, which, you know, which he said in, in, the, in the political gathering, political meetings, uh, was explaining about the Tutsi. Uh, population and uh, the way expressed, but the go the government at that time, the government at the time was issued arrest. Arrest. We also they felt that he was viewed well extremist. Then he they issued arrest warrant for him, and then he went to exile. So so that government as well at the time, which was also been named extremists, they wanted to arrest him at that time. So then he went to 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 to, to exile. But um, uh, he. Uh, uh, for in my view, I don't think his his only speech was the only thing because it was one awful speech, and he'd been away when all you know all the worst things was happening. There have been more than that within the country, which is more stronger than him. His speech, he's very known because himself was very known. Well, yeah. What 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 did he say in that speech that concerned um, even the Hutu government at the time? that this was an extremely dangerous and seditious speech, right? Uh, targeting particularly uh, the, the one major ethnic community, right? What did he actually say? Um, if I remember correctly, he said that the, the, the Tutsi were, were not Rwandans, they were from Ethiopian, so is they would have to send them back where they came from through the liver. So it mean like killing them, put them in the liver and the liver will take them to the zoo. So that was very dangerous things to say. It can be inciting hatred within the, within the, the, the community. Also cause tension and destroy the community cohesion. So that's why the government at that time really were very concerned. And so he had to flee to Canada. Yeah, but he was, right. he was now ex, you know, extradited to Rwanda. He was been, uh, he has, um, he, he's, in, he's in prison in Rwanda at the moment. I see. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, you, you've been um, supporting the, um, uh, 
the campaign to end the genocide against uh, Rohingya people in, in my own country. And um, uh, the, you, you met a, you know, a, a number of Rohingya refugees over the years. And as you know, the Rohingyas in Burma have also been portrayed as people that do not belong in Burma or Myanmar, and they are illegal, unwanted uh, migrant community uh, from, you know, neighboring Bangladesh. That was uh, that kind of construction, you know what I mean? Uh, even if they have lived there for 100, 200, 300 years, um, you know, they, they, they are portrayed as, um, you know, mm -hmm. this interlopers. Who, who came unwanted, yeah, uninvited. Yeah? Yeah. And so so you, we can see the parallel, yes. uh, you know, the construction and so. And then the other one I wanted to uh, ask you is, what is the role of, uh, at the time, obviously in 1994, the internet was just, uh, you know, made commercially available in, in the United States, right? It's a rich and uh, technological, technologically advanced country uh, and, and the rest of the world did not have the kind of widespread internet access. So in Rwanda in 1993-94, you, you didn't have the internet, the, you know, let alone Facebook. Yeah? What was the, um, what were the propaganda platforms? In other words, what type of technology that um, the killers and the extremists used to mobilize, uh, you know, the organized killings of the targeted Tutsi community. The I've been uh, there's two there's radio and the community meetings that the key the, the key uh, platform that have been they have been uh, used. So that is during the genocide. Um, against the Tutsi, so, so they've been very, very crucial, and because um, that there was no other way of communicating that that time, and there was no, you know, free mobile phones, and you know, to, so those ones, that's what will happen. And at the same time, the subsequent genocide against the Hutu, I mean, not to, that was that's why things have been very hard to 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 get recognized. There had not been any radio because. So there was not been any radio to market to, but there has been community meetings. Uh, so that's been very used a lot and gather people together also the massacre, massacring. There's nothing on the, on, the, on the radio or on the, you know, on the, also on the, um, uh, on the newspaper. Right. Um, I, I want to ask you to talk about um, this, you know, unrecognized or unacknowledged uh, second genocide. You know, this is something that uh, that the world has not learned about. Yeah, uh, that when you know, like I think it was last year when uh, the uh, international media um, uh, commemorated the 25th anniversary of Rwandan genocide. Yeah and you did the, uh, the post-genocide generation. But <clears throat> you mentioned at the start of our conversation, the, the Hutus, who were the perpetrators in the 1994 genocide, they also came under attack, you know, which you describe as a genocidal onslaught. 
can you explain, you know, that genocide? Yes. So that, that genocide, actually, in this year, in October, we're going to have 10 years anniversary of the UN, what we call DRC mapping report. It's the UN report which investigated that genocide and they found out that the crime or the genocide, um, the genocide nature have been, have been committed. But they, they normally, they, 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 the initial report was going to say the genocide is committed, but because then have been a lot of um, political interference and it was very big at the UN level. Then they change the rewarding of the final pro, uh, reporting. Say, they, they, they mentioned that there have been uh, crime on a genocide in nature, but if a court of law, it will be uh, the law of court of law to identify if a genocide was committed or not. But if you look on those the details of the report, how the killings have been done, how be you know carefully planned, um, killing unarmed population, selecting ethnic groups, uh, you know they, it has all element of a genocide. But going to back to your questions, how it happens, um, um, uh, it, 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 a small part of it started before the Hutu genocide. It started 1990. 1991, in an area where the rebel group were, was occupying. You mean the Tutsi rebel yeah. groups occupying yes. the area? They would, so they would, they would call the population in the meetings for a community meeting to give them instruction. Then they will, they will massacre every, everyone. Then they hide the bodies. Yeah. And then after the, 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 after the, 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 the Tutsi genocide, um, the most of Hutu population and fled neighboring Congo, uh, they went to refugee camp. Yeah. Uh, two years later, in 1996, the new people on the power, the, 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 you know, the former rebels who, who took the power, they, 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 they crossed the border, they went to Congo, they, there was, they massacred, um, um, according to UN, over 450,000. Uh, Hutu population were massacred in the Congo, and about half a million were forced forced uh, back in Rwanda. And there's the many sites of those crimes have been documented very carefully by UN. Uh, as I said, because of the the um, some uh, uh, power, uh, you know some you know powers involved, the has not allowed to be called a genocide. Uh, so, so, sorry to, so, yeah, sorry to interrupt. So the the genocidal killings of Hutu refugees who fled the Tutsi rebel occupied areas and then took refuge on the DRC's um, territory, Democratic Republic of Congo, and the the killings that you described. 450,000, they were committed on the uh, Congo soil in refugee camps by the Tutsi rebels, right? Refugee camps and the forest of Congo, because some fled in the forest. Right, uh, right. So they continue within the forest during a period of, um, of, of two and a half years. They were, you know, they killing, you know, until that rebel, that Rwandan group, they continued, they took over 
they change the power in the capital of Congo as well. They work with, alongside of Congolese rebellion, labels, they took the power in the, in the capital. Yeah. Right. And uh, what, the, this was, this happened, did you say um, 15 years after the Rwandan genocide? The, uh, no, the, no, the, the better no, 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 this happened uh, 90, from 92 uh, years, it happened in 96 until 99. 96, to, uh, so within two and a half, three years, uh, yes. the killing. Who are the geopolitical players? You know, French, uh, the Americans, uh, Nigerian, you know, like the African power, uh, or a combination of like, a, you know, different Western powers that do not want the crime to be known or acknowledged by its own name. I mean, hardly anybody talks about this genocide that you described, yeah. because it's important that uh, we capture this, you know, uh, truth. Yes. That the powerful players do not want circulated in larger, uh, you know, uh, the public uh, discourses. Mm -hmm. Can you explain what geopolitics is at work? Yes. So even even the UN, if I go back, even the UN have got a report, which you know they which they have uh, approved, but it has not. They, it is a recommendation have never been put in the press. So we documented all the UN report, the other NGOs report. There's a website called HutuGenocide.org, which has all the details uh, for anyone who wants uh, information. But um, in in relation to the power who are, you know, you know, like the countries which are, you know, who are trying to shield what have happened in that is mainly the British and the Americans because they were initially supporting the, the, the RPF, the Rwandan Patriotic Front. Uh, so even the, the, the government, the current government which are committed the genocide, that genocide have been heard across the world as a government which stopped the genocide and, and they have been um, economically, you know, have been proved economic of Rwanda for the last 25 years. So, so, they, so they cannot, it's very politically, it's very, you know, hard for them or embarrassing to come back to, you know, to turn that narrative and say, actually, this is a genocidal government. Yeah. You mean, because, so this is, sorry, the RPF, R Rwandan uh, Patriotic Front, Ethnically speaking, they are Tutsis. Yes. So yes. the current government in Kigali, right? Um, dominated, is dominated by Tutsi. Dominated by Tutsi, but there are also Hutus as well in the government. Yes. Yeah, this yeah. is also ethnically sort of reconciled uh, coalition kind of government with the, uh, the, 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 the lion's shares of power in the hands of the Tut uh, former rebels, right? And, yeah. and these rebels enjoy the backing of the British and the American powers. Yes. And they do not, and they have been pumping, uh, you know, what do you call it? Uh, investment money, uh, political support, and the media spins, yes. portraying post-genocide Rwanda as this like, you know, uh, the, uh, the, uh, 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 this developmental uh, success. Yes. within the context. But the, the, 
I think that there's a re uh, the recently the, uh, uh, there has been recognition about the uh, the leadership of the government, right? Yeah, because you know because the the, the those countries popped a lot of money in Rwanda, and in Rwanda have used most of the support they get for for about in in these public relations. The Rwanda have done a very good job to be seen as one of the best government where the population are reconciled and which um, which has been which is in reality on the ground is very wrong. Um, after they say after 25, 26 years after the genocide, Rwanda, Rwanda is the only country in Africa which you would find Rwandan refi refugee camp of Rwandans in more than five or six countries in Africa. Yeah, you not find uh, Nigerian in refugee camps anywhere in Africa or any other country, but Rwanda you'll find them in different countries, you know, countries, which means there is a problem in Rwanda. Yeah, right, uh, Rwanda right. have been backed, also protected at the UN level. They have been proposed a resolution by the French or by uh, the other countries um, regarding uh, sanction, you know, you know, for what Rwanda have been doing, but those countries have been protecting uh, the Rwanda uh, leadership a, a lot. Mm. There also have been also some economical interests as well, because Rwanda, it has border of Congo, is is the richest mineral country, uh, you know, is the richest in mineral, Congo. So Rwanda is is good, is, is well strategically, geographically placed to be, be, to be a bridge to go to Congo for those minerals, yes. I, I see. Because of Congo is in a very disorganized country, so they needed Rwanda to be able to use it as, as like a as a launching pad for whatever their initiatives that you know, yes. like uh, the uh, the natural resource extractive industries. But yeah. you, they want to keep Rwanda as a fairly functioning and stable uh, political system for their economic interest, right? And mm -hmm. so this way from Rwanda, uh, in which they use as a base, and then go into Congo. Congo is, uh, is one of the largest countries in all of Africa, right? Yes. So what, what, what are the uh, economic, um, you know, uh, attractions that, um, you know, Rwanda has uh, for Western powers or Chinese, um, you know, investors, whoever? None. No. Rwanda no? Has, has not. Rwanda, the only thing it has, it has a rich neighbor. Right, and right. Neighbor, which is Congo, is is has it has not functional government. It's very disorganized. So they needed Rwanda to be able to go in using different labels, using different corporation, and get all the minerals, especially coltan. Congo has, you know, coltan is very used in all technology. In space, in the, in, in the weapons, in the mobile phones, so the, the cotton is very needed. And the vast majority of reserve of cotton on this planet is in Congo, yeah. So 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 that's why Rwanda is very strategically, um, uh, very important, and is taking advantage. So that's why they will keep non-democratic, uh, oppressive regime that they can you know, deal with very easily, have the deal, only deal, then be a corporation can go in and, and go to Congo and 
and do whatever they want, but they, but they really needed Rwanda for that. So that's why that genocide against Hutu is a very bad news because it's going to destabilize the political system. So the UN will have to act. They will have to put a justice, uh, they will have to put justice, um, they will deliver justice because genocide. So, so which means the regime will change. So if they will, is it will you know it will become a certainty for those corporations or for those countries. Yeah. Well, of course, you know, if you if you if you have a, a you know corrupt and uh, you know pseudo democratic government whose past crime you are protecting in exchange for that government serving your need yeah um, and so it, this is a rather interesting case um because generally um outside powers um and outside investors go to countries that are rich in minerals and other resources in your case in the your country is strategically located um you know to to, to a very very rich um, African country. So you are used as a venue, uh, a, ba a regional base. Uh, I bet there are so many, um, you know, like uh, investment or, uh, you know, corporate headquarters or like regional headquarters in, in Rwanda. Yes, they are opening their base in in Rwanda, and they and Rwanda, you know, Rwanda having seen a lot of jet frying in and frying out in the last like 10 years, more than the whole, its existence because of that, you know. Right. Very, you know, the hotels have been, in, been you know, Rwanda have been building many hotels in Kigal because of they have to, you know, they have to be able to host all this, you know, uh, business and corporation people coming to, uh, or, or military advisors for, you know, you know coming to, to to Rwanda for, for all those operations, economical and military operations. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, what is the um, post-genocide, uh, you know, inter-ethnic group relations between Tutsis and Hutus? It seems like, uh, you know, the, the genocide has been committed uh, both ways. Yeah? Um, and, uh, you know, for whatever contextual or historical reasons, but the crime has been committed by both communities, sadly. Um, how do they reconcile? Because they now live side by side. Has, has there been reintegration, you know, an improper communal level reconciliation between these um, intertwined communities? Of course, there could not be a proper reconciliation uh, because the government in the place has committed those crimes. So the only crime or the only genocide which is allowed to be expressed is genocide against the Tutsis. Those who survived or those who lost their, uh, you know, their loved one within the Hutu genocide have no right to mourn theirs. They have no right even to express it. is a crime if you say, you know, the, the double genocide theory is a crime in Rwanda. You can never express. Um, there's one that Tutsi uh, genocide survivor who was peace activist who sang, who's, you know, he's, he's a gospel singer. He, 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 song, he sang a song say that we should recognize other people who died. 
and and the government was not happy with him. Eventually, he was killed. I remember when I was uh, I was uh, in Poland with you recently. He was just being killed. I was writing preface for his book because he had he I had to. I was preparing to to publish his book, and I wrote a book when I was in in Poland. I wrote the preface when I was in Poland with you. So that guy, he was killed because he 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 he, he recognized that there should be. Uh, recognition of anyone who 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 died. So so the, so the people live you know alongside to each other, but there's a kind of level of oppression because you cannot mourn or remember the loved one of the Hutu, and all Hutus have to participate and commemorate the, those who who have been killed during Tutsi genocide, which is very good. But they cannot mm, so they, they so they cannot mourn theirs. So that's how he is, and it's very dangerous, you know, because it creates kind of internal resentment and the grievances. Uh, I don't know with how many years if they might cause uh, a problem in the future, because you know, you know, people they are it's, they're suffering in silence, and that is very uh, that is very dangerous for the, for the for the future. Well, I mean, this is this is a message that needs to get out. Yeah, we 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 have to essentially address the uh, we, we cannot allow the new outcome of the post-genocide process to become the the cause for potential future retaliatory genocide right mm -hmm. and so you know finally we were together uh, visiting auschwitz um you know just the day Poland locked down, unfortunately, but we did get to see, you know, quite important sites such as Krakow Jewish Ghetto. We did get to see Auschwitz, uh, all the camps, um, although we were unable to enter, you know, the uh, um, number one and number two. Having come from a community that suffered essentially multiple genocides, yeah, and um, Seeing Auschwitz, um, what was what were the thoughts or feelings that went through your head and uh, your heart? That this would be your final uh, reflective thoughts, uh, you know, before we end the conversation. Yes, uh, yes, you know, my, my my visit to you know to Auschwitz was very um, it was a very sad moment for me. To see how you know you know all the, you know thousand you know like a um, few decades ago people they you know the, how the you know the, the you know the Jews have been killed systematically, and because they are Jews they didn't choose who they are, um, so it, it was very very sad for me to see that, and also that few years later people uh, you know our you know people are being killed because who they are, the Rohingya, you know, Myanmar, and uh, the Hutu and the Tutsis in, in Rwanda. So I, I still feel, you know, the humanity has not run from the past. They have not run uh, this value of the, the, the respect of human being on the respect of, of um, uh, you know, of the, 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 the value, the, the value of, you know, life is, you know, and I think that uh, I think I was discussing. With the, I remember I was discussing with the guide, and he, he was saying to me that it's very important that 
education about human the respect of human values is very um, uh, is very you know is is very done widespread, especially within the politicians, because the problem mainly is, doesn't come from the people themselves. Mostly the people, they live together, they live in peace, but the politicians using, you know, they, they, they manipulate those, those um, small differences to try to create a hatred or to try to, to, because they want to preserve their power or they want to, um, to, to, to get into the power uh, that that is very unfortunate. I think you know. They, they, I think the the countries on this planet should come together and they put that that as a priority. They, they teach human human uh, the value of human being the, the, of life. If that is if that is maybe the only achievement the UN you know the only achievement UN can do or can achieve will be enough because there will not be no war. There will not be no genocide no one will make will will make weapons will make the bombs because they will be killing another human being if that could be the only objective for your united united nations that would be amazing because well, we cannot there... this critic cannot keep coming in different community if, if you know after a few decades it's very sad it should stop really should stop well, well, this is a very important message, um, you know, uh, that you have just uh, articulated, and especially in within the context of um, the rise of, you know, various strains of genocidal racism, uh, whipped up by populist uh, politicians. You know, uh, you know, Poland, one, uh, UK, where we live, you know, the right wing, um, the Tories, and then Donald Trump. Uh, Brazil, you know, Italy, you know, and, and Burma and other places, and India, China. And so I think, you know, your message needs to be amplified. And um, I um, thank you um, so much for spending time, um, you know, sharing your thoughts. And uh, we, we will meet again after the lockdown. Yeah. Thank you, you take care, brother. Thank you very much. Thank you for yeah. inviting me. Thank you.